Hello, this is Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Hello, neighbors. It is time for our Friday Folk University talk show. Um, Thank you so much for joining us every Friday from 1 to 3 p.m. right now. You can hear us live at 89.5 FM, or you can stream us right now at cortezradio.ca. And you can go now and listen to past Folk You Friday talks at cortezradio.ca. There's a little bit of clicking around you have to do, but if you remember that you're looking for DJ Mando Fox Gillespie, that's a mouthful, but just look for the longest name. And you will make your way to past sessions. I had a lot of people ask about last week's show, where we talked about permaculture, making soil um, with Whitney Vanderleest. That was fantastic. So thank all of you who joined in for that and all of those who communicated with me afterwards asking about how you could hear it. So we are creating opportunities here through Folk you for neighbors to share their interests, their passions, their skills with each other, and to do so over the virus-free airways. You are encouraged to be part of this. Every Friday, we provide opportunities for you to call in to ask our special guest questions, to share your own ideas, your own experiences, um, and to contribute in some way. And that includes every week we have someone come on and share what they're doing in the gardening that what they're doing in the garden that week. Um, when it's time to call in, you can do so at two five zero nine three five zero two zero zero. I had this quote that someone sent me recently that I thought I would share with you. So Folk University was born out of Cortez literacy and with this idea that literacy is about everything. It is about what allows us to realize our full potential as an individual and as a citizen within a community. And so this is something that Kofi Annan said about literacy. Literacy is the road to human progress and the means through which every man, woman, and child can realize his or her full potential. So um, this, this can mean lots of different things. And today, um, this is, we're going to be talking a little bit about the nervous system. So we have Haley Newell, one of our wonderful neighbors on Cortez here, to talk about the nervous system 101. We say, we are hearing a lot about nervous system health. What the heck is it anyway? And what does it do for us? What do the buzzwords like regulation and resilience mean? And what can we do to tend to this amazing part of your body? Perhaps more on our minds now than ever. Welcome into the studio. Haley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Manda. It's a great pleasure. Um, And thank you, all of you out there, for being here. This is... But it's a very interesting combination of nerve-wracking and really fun. So um, I'm going to try to walk my talk uh, as I go through this with some nervous system regulation, deep breaths, and um, hopefully this uh, is really informative for everyone out there. Um, 
a little bit more about myself for those of you that may not be familiar or um, who don't know me. Uh, I am a registered therapeutic counselor. I have a background in somatic therapy and also play therapy. So the modalities of therapy that I swim around in and work uh, with my clients are both deeply rooted in working at the level of the nervous system. And um, you'll find out more about why that's effective as we go. And um, before we start, I just want to name that we're in this challenging time. And one of the things that I'm noticing is uh, a bit of a limited capacity to be um, to take in new information. You know, it's it's sort of like I have just enough capacity to meet the regular day-to-day challenges. Laundry, dishes, meals, <clears throat> my job, etc. And sometimes even that's challenging. So I just wanted to name that uh, for any of you out there that are also experiencing that. It's completely valid and to be expected um, with what we're currently going through, um, which will probably make a bit more sense as we go. Um, but we're we're dealing with an ongoing challenge. I'm going to talk more about challenges and what I mean when I say that. We're, we're dealing with an ongoing challenge right now. Um, so um, we will have a bit of a... Uh, we will be in a heightened stress response state. And um, let's get into the, the juicy stuff so all of this makes a little bit more sense. So... <clears throat> The learning objectives that I have for today are, first and foremost, this is complex. The nervous system is, it's complex information. So why do we care? Why is it important? I'm going to talk a little bit more about why it's helpful to understand the nervous system, um, what it is, what the heck is the nervous system, uh, the main branches of the autonomic nervous system and what they do. Regulation and resilience, what do those words mean? We've been hearing them Uh, more and more. They've become buzzwords in a way. What do they mean? And how you can regulate, regulate your way to um, uh, more resiliency and what that what that means. What does regulation mean? So first and foremost, why understand the nervous system? Simply put, to understand your nervous system and how it works is to understand your stress physiology. You have the capacity to relearn and literally rewire how you and your nervous system and your brain responds to the stress that you encounter on a daily basis, which means that you can improve your health and your stress responses, even if you have suffered from a traumatic event, an an injury, or even some form of abuse, all of which deeply affects the the nervous system and how it functions. Working at the level of the nervous system is effective for addressing stress because it is something that we can learn to sense and feel in our body and observe in our body with practice. By doing so, we can change how we respond to the stressors that we're encountering in our environment. So stress itself 
it is not bad. It's it's actually really necessary and it's important. Um, we've all learned how to handle stress in different ways uh, from our early environment, from how our parents handled stress, uh, to a certain extent our genetic inheritance. And uh, all these experiences have wired us up, so to speak, in a certain way in response to stress. Also, as you are all very aware, we live very differently now than we did way, way, way back when this stress physiology was developing in our systems. Um, we're not living outside. We're not living as directly with nature. We all know this. We've heard this many, many times. We have cars. We drive in traffic. We are dealing with tons of technology. Um, back then, we did have very, very real stresses, um, hunting and like looking for food and being hunted for food, being one or two of those very real stresses. Um, but we didn't have the kind of ongoing daily stressors that we have now, and which can have a huge impact on our nervous system health, especially if we don't understand them and the way that our body is designed to respond to them. When we understand our stress physiology, we know where we are in this kind of stress spectrum and therefore how we can kind of come out of these stress responses. And again, as we learn about how our body is designed to respond to stress, we become more aware and with awareness we have, we can be empowered. We can begin to work with our responses and we can change them. Can, can we, can I, um, I want to go a little bit deeper into into stress, if you don't mind, mm -hmm. um, because I have found um, often that we diminish this idea of of stress as if it's only in our mind, which, you know, you're going to talk to us a lot about getting out this idea that there's only in your mind type thing anyway. But also, um, I think it's hard for me, at least, it's been quite hard to recognize the... Um, the huge impact of environmental stresses, the mm -hmm. things that we can't see, that we can't, um, you know, that we may know that there's toxins in our food. We may know that um, microwave or other kinds of radiation are going to have effects on us, but we don't see them. Mm -hmm. And it, and it, you know, it feels like things that we can't see shouldn't stress us out. Mm -hmm. um, but it's clearly not the case, right? And, mm -hmm. and like, can you so can you talk a little bit more about how we wake up to understanding these different kinds of stress? Yeah, I can. And um, it's it is partially how we're, it is going to come up a bit when we talk about what exactly is the nervous system, which we can actually we can go there right now. Um, because Simply put, the nervous system is a system in the body that is taking information in through the senses. Um, so it's processing that information and it triggers reactions such as making muscles move, causing you to feel pain, and it runs through the entire body. So I say that in response to your question because so much of this is happening at a physiological level, not at a mental cognitive level. So... Um, so just to clarify, you were asking, um, you were asking, uh, you were saying that these things, you were wondering why they would be stressful or why we're not more, can you? Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, um, 
what's the great you know what are stresses right. like what is stress and right. and do we actually have any ability in our like is it all the same is mm. like the tiger running at us based on our physiology then do we experience the tiger running at us the same as we do realizing that we're late to finish our taxes right okay yes so we're going to get into all of this um because our system wired up in the time that we were more living in a hunter-gatherer uh, type of situation, our, our, our physiology is pretty much exactly the same. But we, we don't always respond um, the same way. And it has, it's very individual. And that's because we all, would have ha- we all will have had very different um, early experiences and a different set of a different set of genetics. We, we we live in different places in the world. We're eating different foods. So the way that our body is wired up to respond to these things is going to be individual. And what you're speaking to gets into this question of resiliency and why, you know, person A might respond to the tax deadline with a really big um, stress response and why another person might be like, ah, taxes, whatever, you know. So it it's getting into this question of resiliency, which I'm going to get to. So um, if I don't totally answer that as we go on, let me know and we can circle back. Um, so talking about what the nervous system is, as I was saying, it's this, it's this system in your body that's taking in information through your senses. And when we're talking about stress and our stress physiology, we're, we're mostly talking about the autonomic nervous system which you can think in your minds to help you remember automatic nervous system because this part of your nervous system is responsible for things that you uh you don't have to think about like your um blood pressure your metabolism your digestion i mean you might be thinking about that sometimes um but your heart rate respiration your sleep wake cycle hormonal release etc and your autonomic nervous system is also responsible for something that Mando is getting to, your your survival responses, your fight, flight, freeze responses. And these are really, really early, primal, um, way, way, way back. We've had these for a long time, um, responses that keep us safe from danger. <clears throat> um, there's two main branches of your autonomic nervous system. That's your sympathetic branch and your parasympathetic branch. Your your sympathetic branch is that like get up and go, revs you up, I got to run away from the tiger branch of the nervous system. Whereas your parasympathetic uh, branch of the nervous system is your rest and digest, calming down, um, slowing down branch of the nervous system and then it is also where the um where a shutdown collapse your conservation physiology comes into play with your parasympathetic with the parasympathetic branch of the nervous system so what i want folks to kind of think about is that this is a spectrum of responses and you're never fully in one or the other. It doesn't work like that. We're constantly kind of in both and doing this dance between these two branches of the autonomic nervous system all day long. Um, 
So with all that being said, I think this might be a good um, moment for a little break. We've had some, we've had, um, we have some musical interludes for you that was put together for us. And um, this is a little, you can think of it as a little nervous system break. Take a little dance break if you want. I'm going to get into a little bit more about how dance can be really uh, soothing to the nervous system. Um, but we'll just see if we can um, get some of those tunes going for you. Um, I'll, while we're getting that set up, I'll go just a little bit further into why we would uh, move into one branch of the nervous system, one branch of the autonomic nervous system or the other. I was mentioning that you've got your sympathetic, this kind of get up and go branch of the nervous system, and then you've got your parasympathetic, slow down branch of the nervous system. So again, this kind of circles back to what Manda was talking about around why we might react to a certain stressor that we encounter in a certain way versus another one. So when we encounter a stressor in our life, or another way to think about this is a challenge. Um, Another way to think about this is that you encounter a challenge. Um, We will perceive whether or not we can do something about that challenge. Um, Again, at the beginning of this, I was saying that your nervous system takes in information through your senses it processes that information and then it triggers reactions. So this is what I mean, this is what perception means. It is your ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through your senses. So we perceive a challenge and our system assesses is the, pardon me, our system assesses if we can do something or not. Um, So say we encounter a dog and that dog We feel a little bit afraid of that dog. Um, The dog starts barking and the dog, we we decide to kind of back away from the dog and the dog starts to chase us. If we feel that we can do something about that situation, our sympathetic uh, system, the sympathetic branch of your nervous system will come online and we will mobilize to do something about that situation. In this case, most likely, it's going to mobilize for you to run away. So in this example, blood and oxygen is going to flow to your legs. We're going to get a big dose of adrenaline and our breath rate's going to increase and we're going to run like heck. We're just going to go. And most likely, we're not really going to spend a lot of time thinking about it. A lot of this stuff is going to happen very automatically because these um, survival responses are are really about keeping us safe, uh, keeping us alive, that kind of thing. So if we encounter a stressor that we perceive we cannot do anything about, our system will start to collapse. So for example, um, if we're in an argument and you perceive that there's nothing you can do about it, your attention uh, may start to withdraw from that person and the argument that you're having, you may with uh, you may start to feel shut down. Your your energy gets pulled inward. You go more internal. Um, you may start to feel kind of cold or numb. And 
Uh, so that's more of your parasympathetic branch of your autonomic nervous system coming in and going into a bit more of a energy conservation mode. <clears throat> As I mentioned earlier, this is a spectrum of responses. So um, as we're engaging with a challenge, like this argument, your perception of that challenge, the way that that information is coming into your system and being processed, it can change. So um, in the argument example, perhaps you initially perceived that you could do something about it. So you engaged, you spoke up, maybe your voice got louder, maybe you noticed that your chest got tight, your breath changes. Um, often when we have an increase in our mobilization energy um, or experience anger, we will clench our jaws and uh, clench our fists. And then maybe over time, as you were engaging with this challenge, your perception changed. The way that you were engaging with that sensory information, it changed. And you've, um, you've, it changes to a feeling of, I can't do anything about this. And so you go back into what I was saying before, a disengaged um, state or a more of a shutdown state. So this activation, these different, um, these different words that I'm using, like shutdown, um, <clears throat> Uh, numb, or when I was talking about the dog example, the blood flowing to your extremities, the mobilization, th this activation in the nervous system, um, uh, this is what we're talking about when we say we're, we're dysregulated. Um, we have gone into some kind of um, autonomic nervous system response uh, in reaction to the challenge that we're perceiving and what we need to do about it. So I think we're ready now for the for our first dance break. So enjoy this first tune, um, and we'll talk to you again. Okay. So if all's worked well, now we will have Jenny Wilson, Jen Wilson, to talk to us a little bit about what we are going to hear on this dance break. Jen, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Yep, loud and clear. Wonderful. That's great information, Haley. Thank you so much. Hi, everybody. Um, I just wanted to bring in some music today with this presentation that she's doing in order to just kind of get us to feel a little bit more into our bodies. And I know Haley will talk a little bit more about that. So this song is one that both kids and adults that I teach uh, dance really do enjoy. It also happens to have a local connection. It's something by Cosmo Sheldrake. And this particular one I enjoy because it has a lot of different types of rhythms. His work tends to have that. And when something is a little bit more um, offbeat or different in its, in its regular rhythms that we're used to, it can be quite inspiring to allow your body to move in a do, new way. So from wherever you're at right now, I'm going to say let this song inspire you to jump and hop. And that's something that children bring to music quite often. They love jumping and hopping. So this song has a playful sound to it. And, um, well, I also happen to know that Haley likes this song because I have seen her leap around to it in my dance class. So may you enjoy the next song. It's called Swarm, Swamp, Swim by Cosmo Sheldrake. Born in the bog, the tree fell faster. On the log, welcome, welcome, welcome. 
fell, as fell Round and round, round, round Welcome, welcome Stayed in the stream That was a fun little uh, dance break. Thank you so much, Jen Wilson. We are going to have a couple more um, curated dance breaks today during our Folk You Friday talk radio show. Thank you so much for joining us today on CKTZ 89.5 FM, CortezRadio.ca for Folk University's Folk You Friday talk radio show. We are here today with Haley Newell to talk about the nervous system. So before the break, we were hearing a little bit about how the nervous system responds to stress and what stress is and what it means to be dysregulated. Um, Haley, tell us more. (laughs) Okay, great. Thanks, Manda. And thanks, Jen. I love that song. It's true. Um, Okay, so what we were saying before our first dance break was um, 
we were talking about the two main branches of the autonomic nervous system. And I had said that the sympathetic system is your get up and go, your mobilization system, and your parasympathetic, that's your rest and digest, slow down, and then it can also go into more of a shutdown and collapse conservation response. So some clues that you or we are in more of a sympathetic, more we're more in the sympathetic branch of our nervous system, are um, symptoms like being hypervigilant. And what I mean when I say that is very um, highly watchful and um, attuned to your environment uh, to the point of a bit of, uh, or not a bit, to the point of heightened anxiety. So you're really scanning your environment and paying very close attention to everything that's happening and preparing for um, possible scenarios. So, okay, if this happens, then that's going to happen and then I'm going to do this. So that kind of like really, really, um, it's a bit of a worrying energy, a bit of a needs to be prepared all of the time energy. That one would be one to be paying attention to for yourselves right now in the current situation that we're in. I think that our hypervigilance is probably quite activated. Um, So other clues that we're dwelling in our sympathetic branch of the nervous system are increased heart rate, Um, getting into a defensive state. Um, Sometimes we can get a headache or a pounding sensation in the head, a feeling of anxiousness or anxiety, Um, excessive kind of chaotic body movements, Um, feeling overwhelmed and disorganized, Uh, feeling irritable uh, or or highly irritated, You can sometimes also see aggressive behavior. Um, If someone goes off in a spike of uncontrollable anger or rage um, or dissociation, which is, you know, so-and-so's left the building. They've checked out. They're not there anymore. Um, So those are all examples, once again, of being more in the sympathetic branch of the nervous system, being in more of that Um, hyper-aroused mobilization set of responses. Um, Clues that we have gone uh, to the other part of our nervous system, that parasympathetic branch of the nervous system, more of our collapse, um, more of the collapse symptoms are a feeling of helplessness, uh, appearing or feeling kind of lifeless, um, non-expressive, that feeling of being numb, like I mentioned before, uh, a lack of motivation, feeling lethargic or tired. Not always, of course, but you know, sometimes if you're engaging in a stressful situation or a, a challenging situation and you just all of a sudden feel exhausted kind of out of nowhere, that would be a clue that you've kind of gone into more of that parasympathetic branch of the nervous system. Um, a dulled capacity to feel things that are happening. Again, something to be kind of watchful um, for yourself right now with the with the amount of intense news that we're taking in um, sometimes on a daily basis is noticing whether it's just kind of, you're just like, I can't even feel anything anymore. I can't even really take this in. Um, it's because that part is, um, it's because we've been overwhelmed. It's too much too much information, 
too much overload. We don't know how to, we don't really know what to do with all of that. Um, a feeling of kind of emotional constriction or stuckness, uh, depression, isolation, and again, dissociation. So dissociation can happen with either, um, uh, uh, with either set of responses, either the more sympathetic set of responses or the more parasympathetic set of responses. So this goes back now, or this is where I wanted to kind of segue into what is regulation and, um, Again, getting kind of back into what Manda was saying about why we would respond to a certain stressor one way or the other. Um, so regulation. A lot of us have heard this word. Um, and I think that there is a little bit of a misconception uh, around regulation as meaning something like being calm. And being calm or having a feeling of being calm and relaxed is one it's one way that we might be in a regulated state, but it's not the only way. You can be experiencing um, frustration or anger and still be regulated. Uh, so I'm going to get into why that is. Um, as we're going throughout our day, again, we're going to meet lots of different stressors or challenges, as I've been saying, and we're going to meet some stressors that we can handle. So going back to Amanda's tax example, and I'll use myself as an example, for whatever reason, um, taxes, I don't find all that stressful. I can, I can be with the experience of doing my taxes. I don't love doing it, but it's, it's not overwhelming for me. Um, another example could be that, you know, you go to the store and it's, the store is out of something that you wanted or you needed. And in that moment, you feel mildly frustrated. You might feel a slight spike in your, um, in your heart rate. And then you take a deep breath and that little voice comes online and says, Oh yeah, well, Haley, instead of that, you can buy this. Um, so in that case, uh, you were able to be with yourself in the experience that you were having your observer self, i.e. that little voice that came on and said, you can buy this alternative product. Um, that part of you was online and functioning. You were able to think logically, think clearly, and move on relatively quickly. Um, so another way of putting this is that in that moment with that particular stressor, you were bigger than the experience. Um, the experience was not bigger than you. Uh, so this ability to be with yourself and aware of what you're doing as you're doing it is what being in a regulated state means. So um, I'm going to go into a, a list of all the cues that were in a regulated state, but I just wanted to check in with Manda if that sort of helps to clarify what you were asking around, you know, why would this be stressful and this not, et cetera, or if you wanted to add anything to that. Um, no, I think that really helps. I, ha I do have a number of questions, but I think we're going to get to them um, uh, about kind of when you see yourself being dysregulated. Mm. Um, and so you don't have to answer that yet because I think we're getting there. But also, I guess one of the questions that then um, now that we see that there's a sort of list of things that maybe means that you're kind of more over in a sympathetic response or in a parasympathetic response 
I wonder if when we're really deeply in those kind of responses, um, like, can we even get ourselves out? Yeah. 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 That's a really, that's a really good question. And um, the answer is maybe, and maybe not, you know, depending on, um, you know, it gets into, um, this can get into like chronic states of anxiety, chronic states of depression, chronic. um, uh, Yeah. This is where we get into the conversation around, we we want to be going through our day with a with an ebb and flow between these different nervous system states. We need that sympathetic system to come online and rev us up. We needed it to come online when we got up in the morning, and we need the parasympathetic to come online when we want to go to sleep. So we want that natural ebb and flow, but the challenge is that we can get stuck in um, a chronic state of pardon me, sympathetic arousal or a chronic parasympathetic arousal state. So that more collapsed state. So if we're dealing with chronic depression, for example, um, you know, we, the more that we learn about this, the more that we can recognize certain, um, patterns and, and, um, you know, okay, I know that this is happening and I know that this helps when I'm in this state, but when we're really deep in it, or if we're dealing with um, a trauma history or something like PTSD, then we get into a place where we probably can't get out of it on our own and we need help. Um, a lot of the the ways that um, we can get, mm, how would I put it? In some cases, the reason why we can get stuck in those states has to do with stuff that happened when we were really, really little. Um, we can we get into a conversation around developmental trauma and what that is. And if we were as a young being in a constantly stressful environment, um, then then there will there will have been at some point likely a learned collapse. Uh, response because it was just too much for too long for an ongoing period of time and because that um, experience happened relationally we need to work through it relationally so that's where the therapeutic relationship comes in and is really useful um, is that when we are finding that we're in a chronic state of depression or a chronic state of anxiety um, a lot of this is um is being held in our nervous system it's not the only reason but um again this is why working at the level of the nervous system is really helpful because trauma is um it's stored in the body it's not stored in the event that occurred and um we have these natural responses to stress but if for whatever reason that response was either not able to go fully through that that nice ebb and flow I was talking about um, and it got stuck or if we were in a constant ongoing challenge then then um, then we need then we need help to get to complete those uh, those those natural stress responses in the bottom and to let them move out of the system so I don't know if did that answer your question 
Yeah, it was yeah. great. <laughs> okay. So, um, going back to regulation and some examples of how you can kind of tell that you're in a more regulated state so you can get to know this within yourself is that you have the ability to think clearly and logically like I was saying with the example of you know you go to the grocery store they're out of the thing you needed for the recipe but you had this you know you had the wherewithal to know oh yeah but I can use this other thing and they have that so you can think logically and clearly you're able to make conscious choices um you're able to maintain eye contact more or less you know i think we all have a bit of a different tolerance for eye contact um but um that is a cue for some of us to pay attention to that sometimes if we're if we're really having trouble with that that could mean that we're in a little bit of a more dysregulated state. Um, so there's the ability to make eye contact. Um, we're able to <clears throat> display a wide range of emotional expression. We might feel grounded. How each individual experiences a feeling of being grounded is going to be different. So again, these are all just different examples you may resonate or um, some may land with you and some not so much. Um, you're able to notice your breath. Like right now, for example, I noticed that I have to remind myself to take deep breaths as I'm talking because I feel a little bit nervous. So that ability to notice whether or not you're breathing. Um, your sleep cycles are relatively stable. The, um, this feeling of being kind of poised. And you have an internal awareness of both your mind and your body. Um, you have a feeling of being in your body. You can kind of feel where you are in space. Um, and you're able to communicate verbally in a clear manner. So these are all examples of being in a more regulated state. And again, some may land with you and some not so much. Um, so as I was mentioning before, we want to have a constant ebb and flow and this kind of activation and deactivation dance as uh, in our body and in our nervous system. Um, and as stress and challenge enters, we, we go into these peak activation states, and then we want to be able to return down to these resting baseline states. Um, and what I really want people to hear and understand is that dysregulation isn't bad. And I think that, again, something that's kind of become implicitly part of this conversation on nervous system health, regulation, etc., is this kind of implicit idea that dysregulation is somehow bad. It's not bad. It's absolutely necessary and your body and your you're completely designed to get dysregulated. Um, you're designed to meet challenges every day. You're designed to encounter stress. And when you do, you are designed to get dysregulated. And the reason for this is because it is uncomfortable. So I said, you know, it's not bad, but it is a little bit uncomfortable, you know, to have that kind of feeling of, I feel a little bit anxious right now. It's, I have to really think about my breath. It's a bit uncomfortable. And when something's uncomfortable, we are moved to do something about it generally. Um, so in that attempt to do something about this discomfort, you develop skills, you might um, learn an adaptation, and then eventually you come back, you'll, you'll come into a moment of regulation so that you can rest. 
and then you get to do it all over again. Because <laughs> this is really the nature of being alive. Uh, this is how we learn, it's how we grow, and it's how we expand. This is really the main point that I want people to take home, um, is that we are going to do this multiple times a day, sometimes multiple times an hour, on and on and on. You know, sometimes I, I have noticed myself, I know I have said to myself many, many times, oh my gosh, it's so much, can't I just have a break? Well, in a certain way, no, <laughs> we can't because this is the nature of life. This is the nature of being alive. We're meeting challenges all the time. And what we want to do is develop and increase our capacity to be with these challenges and be with these stressors because um, uh, then we get into the really, really exciting stuff, which I'll, I'll, I'll come to in a moment. Um, <clears throat> the problem again, or the problem, um, is just when we get stuck, uh, as I was saying with, with Manda's question, when we get stuck, that's, that's when there's a problem and um, that's uh, that's what can lead to disease and um, lots of other problems. So that's what we that's what we don't want. And if we are in that experience, that's when we want to try to either, depending on the um, how extreme it is, doing some education for ourselves on what we can do um, just for ourselves, or engaging the help um, of a therapist, developing that therapeutic alliance so that you can work in the relational field to kind of unwind some of this stuff if it gets to the point where it's really ongoing. Um, so this leads us into what resilience is, another buzzword for you right now. Um, so again, your, so your resilience is, it's, it's what I've been talking about basically through this whole chat. It's your ability uh, to move from dysregulation back to regulation. That's really all it is. And this is going to be different for different people and in different circumstances. Um, <clears throat> and within each person, you will be resilient with certain stressors and challenges and you will you'll be less resilient with certain stressors and challenges. And that's okay. So for example, I might have a higher resiliency with doing my taxes. Um, but I, for example, I have been trying to learn the ukulele and I am noticing that I have a low level of resiliency when it comes to meeting the challenge of learning the ukulele. I get irritated quite quickly. I get frustrated. I can be with it for a very short period of time before um, I feel kind of overwhelmed and my capacity is diminished. And it takes me quite a while <laughs> to work back into picking up the ukulele again. Um, so in that, for that example, I have a lower, I have a lower resiliency. So, um, and this does get into, there's a whole host of reasons why a person might have a higher resiliency um, than another. You know, you hear about an example I've heard a number of times is, you know, two people are in a car accident, one person comes out, they're basically fine. The other person is really traumatized by that car accident. They can't sleep. They have trouble eating. Um, they might have flashbacks on and on and on. One thing that um, we're coming to learn is that if you have had developmental trauma, a really stressful early, um, early life, um, 
And other reasons, um, if any of you out there listening are familiar with the emerging field of epigenetics, this is fascinating to look into. This is how we can um, pass trauma on down through our ancestral lineage. So a lot of the research on this came out of... um, the Holocaust survivors. So if you're interested in that topic, you can Google it and learn tons about it. Um, But one thing that we're coming to know is that if two people were in the same car accident, for example, um, if one person is more affected by the by the event than another than the other, um, one thing to look at is what happened to the person that's more affected in their early life? Um, Did they maybe experience more developmental trauma? Have they been in a constant uh, state of stress? Um, Another really interesting thing to look up if you're interested in this topic is uh, something called the ACE study. So that's A-C-E study. This is the Adverse Childhood Events uh, study. And what this study goes into is how these adverse, as to use the language of the study, these adverse childhood events, how those um, link up to illness and disease later in life as an adult. So what this study goes into is the more um, of these adverse childhood events that you've experienced, the more likely it is that you could develop um, illness later in life. Uh, So again, if you're interested in this topic, Those are two things that you can Google. If you Google ACE study, A-C-E study, it should come up uh, right away. So um, the last part that I want to talk about is potentially the most important part, which is what we can do to regulate our nervous system um, once we understand the symptoms. So, you know, if you, you notice like, oh, yeah, I've got... I can notice my heart rate is spiked and I'm feeling frustrated and irritated. Or if you're in that more sort of lethargic, tired, kind of sluggish place, these are all things that you can do to help regulate your nervous system. And I'm going to um, write up some of this stuff and, and give it to Amanda. And so you guys will be able to access this list. So if you're not able to write this stuff down or you don't want to, don't worry about it because I'm going to provide it. Um, <clears throat> but so much of what we can do to regulate our nervous system um, involves movement and, and being in the body. So as Jen was saying, she was talking about dancing Dancing is huge. Any form of movement that you enjoy is going to be great for helping to regulate the nervous system. So running, jumping, spinning, dancing, and remembering to kind of pause and take deep and take breaths as you're doing this. Um, you can make up obstacle courses with kiddos in your life or not if you just want to do that. A bunch of adults. Oh, I guess we can't do that right now. Ha! Ah, I forget sometimes for a moment. <laughs> but in general, you can you can make up um, active games, obstacle courses, stuff that involves um, engaging your creative thinking with movement. Um, running and jumping and crashing into something soft like a bed or if you have a space where you can put like a mattress 
up against a wall or on the floor and just jumping onto something soft and letting your body land. Uh, bouncing like on a yoga ball is great. Uh, rolling across the floor back and forth if you're able to get down onto the floor. Um, sitting in a chair and pushing up. So putting your hands on the arm of your chair and pushing yourself up um, so that you're getting some like a feeling of resistance in your arm. Um, any kind of deep pressure on your um, arms and legs. So I talked about this uh, the last time I was on the radio talking about um, fear and what we can do to address fear uh, during this uh, pandemic. Uh, so again, um, taking your hands and squeezing your big thigh muscles and squeezing down your upper arm muscles. These are your self-containment muscles. And this is really helpful for just reminding your body, this is where I am right now. This is where I am. Here I am taking, I'm doing it right now as I'm talking to you, just squeezing my my big self-containment muscles. Um, massages. So if you have people that you can do some massage with um, or self-massage. I do self-massage all the time. Really, really helpful. Eating crunchy things, uh, drinking through a straw. I like to add drinking through reusable straw because <laughs> I don't love the disposable straw, but something about that sucking through a straw um, can be really helpful. Uh, taking a bath or a shower, um, getting wrapped up in a, in a blanket. So I know some of you out there probably have, um, these weighted blankets. They're really, really awesome. Especially if you tend towards the, um, hyper, um, the, ang the anxiety, the kind of, uh, more hyper aroused states, having a weighted blanket as a way of feeling, um, heaviness on your body and helping you to ground really effective. You can also just wrap yourself up tightly in a blanket. If you have somebody to snuggle with, or you can snuggle yourself up with a bunch of pillows, um, marching or singing. Also awesome. <clears throat> Carrying heavy things, pushing against a wall, these kind of isometrics, anything that's like getting you to really feel your body and where it is and weight. Um, you can, oh, one that I really like is taking your hands, putting one hand on your forehead and one on the back of your head and just kind of gently squeezing your head and then putting your palms, the palms of your hands on the sides of your head and squeezing your head. That's a really nice one. Um, what else have I got here? Um, swinging, you'll see kids doing this all the time, swinging, um, very regulating or, or spinning how the kids here they love spinning on the tire swing outside the play school yeah that's why or partially why um what else what else oh breath <laughs> breathing um taking a moment to notice your breath am i breathing what is my breathing like and then working at uh trying to have your Inhale, match your exhale. And then if you're really, really worked up, um, you can try to elongate your exhale. So taking, you know, inhaling to a count of maybe two or three, start small, and then exhaling to a count of three or four. So just one exhale longer than your inhale. 
Um, what else have I got that would be good to mention? Oh, the other one, this is, this, this is, um, one of the most, I think not only effective, but kind of, uh, revolutionary acts (laughs) that we can do, um, is just naming your experience out loud. It sounds easy, but it's really, really hard for us. Um, many of us weren't really taught and supported to, just simply name our experience that we're having as we're having it. So naming, yeah, you know what? I don't really know what's going on for me, but I noticed that I feel kind of nauseous and my head's kind of spinning and yeah, I'm going to just go sit down or I feel angry right now or I feel frustrated right now or I just want to go lie in bed and pull the covers over my head and disappear. So naming the experiences that we're having as we're having them and especially naming the physical sensations that go along with those feelings not only does this help to um, tame the feelings that we're have there's a that we have um, I don't know if it was my play therapy teacher that said this first or one of the other teachers that I've worked with but this idea of name it to tame it so naming yeah I feel angry or, you know, I feel frustrated, just naming it will go a long way to helping you to come back into more of a regulated state because you're, you're, you're stepping towards it. You're being with yourself in that experience. Um, so those are all wonderful things that you can do to help regulate. And, um, yeah, I'll just finish by again saying that as we learn about our stress res- stress responses and what to watch for, we have we can be empowered. You know, we can we know what we can do when we recognize these different systems. We know, oh yeah, I'm a little dysregulated right now. That's what's happening. Um, and the more we then work on bringing ourselves back into uh, these moments of regulation what we're doing is we're learning how to be with our experiences and not avoid our experiences. And the really cool part about this is as we are learning how to increase our moments of regulation, um, we can develop trust with ourselves. We know that we can come back from a dysregulated state. And, and the really cool part about that is then, then you, you can go and choose new challenges to take on. You know, you might feel like, yeah, I'm going to go learn that language or I'm going to try that class because I know that if I start to get into some of these uncomfortable states, I have tools and awareness. I know that I can work with myself on that. So that's what I've got for you guys today. Um, Amanda, do you have any questions about? Oh, of course I do. I have lots of questions. Okay. But what I'm going to do right now is um, we're going to have uh, Jen Wilson introduce another song. And while that song is playing, you can call and ask us, uh, well, really, Haley, your questions. So don't worry. You can call. You don't go on the air necessarily you just call in uh, we'll have time for probably two or three callers at most um, and Haley can speak to your questions so don't miss out so the number here is 
zero zero. And now, uh, if all goes well, which once again, there's lots of parts to this, we will have uh, Jen Wilson introduce our next song. Jen, are you on the phone? Okay, no, she's not, because it's more complicated than that. (laughs) It can't ever be too simple here at CKTZ 89.5 FM, Cortez Community Radio. We are community radio. So, you know, sometimes things work real well and sometimes they don't. Uh, So Jen Wilson is going to join us to talk about the upcoming song that we are going to get to dance it out and sort of help regulate ourselves. You hopefully are going to call in to ask Haley Newell your question at 0200. And so 250-935-0200. Call in, ask your questions. And Jen Wilson is going to introduce this next song. Okay, well, it's not going perfectly. So I'm going to I'm going to play the next song, and then maybe um, we will get uh, Jen Wilson to be able to describe uh, what happened after the fact. But she did say that this song is perfect for uh, what we have been talking about. So get up, move around, and enjoy getting to move to some music. This is called You Got to Run by Buffy St. Marie and Tanya Takak. Run. 
so low that I kiss the ground But you can see yourself a winner beyond the money
Hello, Jen. Thank you for calling in. Sorry about the technical problems earlier. That's okay. <laughs> We're just figuring <laughs> no out how to work with it. Will you tell us about uh, the two songs we just heard, especially the Buffy St. Marie? Wow. Yeah, right? Okay, so that song is called Spirit of the Wind or You've Got to Run. She... Um, uh, well known by many people as an indigenous uh, folk singer and uh, a big, huge star at one point. Uh, well, she still is. And she, both she and um, uh, the other person in the song, Tanya Tagak, um, who's an uh, Inuit um, throat singer, got together after winning uh, the Polaris Music uh, Prize through CBC, and they did a version of this song, Spirit of the Wind, which was actually written in 1979 by Buffy St. Marie. And the reason I like this song is because of, for a couple of reasons. One, the rhythm of it is really great, and it's it's got a, what you, like you talked about, that sort of a driving rhythm. So... She wrote this specifically for a man named George Atla, who was Athabaskan, and he was one of the people to first ever compete in the very, very first Iditarod dog sled race. So when I use this song with with children, often I will say things like, imagine you're a dog running, or you're a mad, you know, what does a happy dog look like? And I use those images because... um, of the history of this song. And I think uh, most people can imagine what that looks like when dogs are really happy. And also, if you've ever seen what they look like when they're doing their racing, they're just, they're so, so into it. So that rhythm, that, that, that rhythm that you're hearing, is a lot of that is actually coming right from her um, learning about the dog sled racing and seeing it. The story that goes behind this, though, is really beautiful. And that is that this man, George Atla, he was uh, lived in a very remote area. He unfortunately contracted tuberculosis at a very young age and was hospitalized for and taken out of his village for quite a long time. And when he returned to his village, he was 17 years old, and his unfortunately his tuberculosis attacked his knee. And so he was not able to use his leg on his right side, or bend it, I should say. He couldn't really work with his knee very well the way that we are used to. So as a young man, he was bitter and angry, and he really struggled with reconnecting back with his community because he'd been in this hospital setting and also just how to be somebody who wasn't able-bodied as he was when he was younger. And he turned his frustrations and his anger towards dogs. And animals can be a great help in terms of regulating our our systems, as many of us know. So I really like this story because he took, um, he did something very um, naturally for him, which was to go towards animals. And then he became this unbelievable, multiple award-winning racer. By doing it, by standing on one leg and kicking his other leg, which was unable to bend, out behind him. And um, I don't know, I find that very, very um, inspiring. I use this song when I am freaking out. If I, When I say that, I mean anxiety. When I feel intense anxiety coming through my body and I need to, to do something, some many of those things Haley talked about, 
I like this one because it gives me, I can sit in my, I can rock in my bed, I can squish my blankets, I can squeeze my fists, I can dance to it, I can, wherever I'm at, I find that this song really, really has a very deep effect. And that rhythmic part of it is a big part of that. So that's why I chose that song. And the other song, which is a very familiar song probably to a lot of people, is Blackbird by the Beatles. And that song, it's very simple. It's one of McCartney's lovely songs that uh, he has re- he wrote for the White Album. And it's a very gentle but hopeful song, and it's a soothing song. As a person who was a, very, a little kid in the 70s, this song was a dear one to me. And when I think about some of the traumas that I've experienced in my life, a lot of it was during my childhood. But I also remember this song, and this song soothes me. And the, the melodic flow of this song is very soothing for people. Even if you didn't speak English and you heard that melodic flow that he has going on, it would be something that would likely soothe you just because of the type of rhythm and song that it is. So I thought I would share something from my own childhood and then also something that uh, is, um, has an Indigenous background to it, and also a beautiful story about somebody who's been challenged by their own emotions and health and how they got through that. I hope that helps people. Thank you so much, Jen. I love the story um, of that beautiful song, especially of um, of Buffy St. Marie. That was incredible. And we are going to hear from you one more time before we have our last song in just a few moments. Thank you again. And uh, I I was a bit inept with handling the phone system, and there's also some weird things with this phone system, which looks really similar to something that might have been left over from the 1970s and doesn't seem to always have a light that works on it. So it's not just me. It's not just me, although I'm sure it's 90% me. I'm going to give you one more chance um, to call in a little bit um, at this point or to email in your questions for Haley and what might be going on for you around stress, your nervous system, needing to regulate, feeling dysregulated, how we handle and try to care for our families, ourselves, and our children, especially during this time, you can call in here to the radio station at 250-935-0200. Or you can send me an email at you, the letter U, at folku, the letter U again, dot C-A. So it's you at F-O-L-K-U dot C-A. Um, cause I am fancy enough to be able to check my email even in the station, although it's not perfect. I don't have great reception, but it's another way you can ask questions. Um, and, uh, in the meantime, I have a couple questions for Haley. Haley, do you want to just give the tiniest bit of an overview after that, um, about what we've been talking about for this last hour? Sure thing. Um, before I do that, I just wanted to say thank you so much to Jen. That was really lovely. And specifically, thank you for mentioning rocking. Rocking is another wonderful tool for regulating that I did not mention. So thank you very much for mentioning that. Um, if you're ever hanging out with me and you see me starting to sway back and forth, 
that is what I am doing. <laughs> and um, the other thing that I wanted to say just to tie this all together in terms of music, uh, how regulating it can be, as Jen was saying, how soothing this song is for her. And, you know, for me, I, I find classical music really helps um, uh, for that same purpose. Uh, one of my teachers, Mariah Moser, the woman I first studied somatic therapy with, Another thing that she taught us was that trauma is a disease of rhythm. The rhythms in our system get thrown off. And she talked a lot about how you, in other cultures, um, immediately I think of African culture where they are dancing a lot. There's a lot more movement. Um, and there was more ceremony around um and, and, and community-based processing of trauma that involved movement. So it's, it's like regaining rhythm in the system through uh, movement. So I just wanted to uh, throw that out there. Mariah Moser is a wonderful teacher. You can look her up. Opening to Grace is her website if any of you out there are interested. Um, so just to review, uh, what we've been talking about today is the nervous system, what it is, um, why it's important to understand our nervous system, uh, what it means to be dysregulated, what it looks like to be dysregulated, why we might get dysregulated, and then what we can do. So once again, you're, uh, it's important for me, I, I, I think it's important and empowering to understand our nervous system and how it works because to understand our nervous system is to understand your stress physiology and, um, to relearn and literally rewire how you and your nervous system and your brain responds to stress, um, which is huge for improving your health and um, your stress responses. And even if you have suffered from traumatic events or injury or abuse, this is possible. So that's part of why it's important. Um, again, the nervous system is, is kind of like a communication system um, that's taking information in through your senses, processing that information, and um, triggering reactions. And most of it is stuff we don't really have to think about, like, um, as I, I was mentioning, your digestion, muscle movements, stuff like that. Um, we talked about the two main branches of the autonomic nervous system, which is the main part of our nervous system that we're talking about when we're, when we're talking about stress. Um, <clears throat> and those branches are the sympathetic branch of the, ner of the autonomic nervous system and the parasympathetic branch. Your sympathetic branch is your get up and go. It's your mobilization responses, whereas your parasympathetic is slowing down, rest and digest, and in some, at, at some points, uh, more of a shutdown collapse response. Um, yeah, so that's what we've been talking about. So when you see someone, so you talked about rocking, for instance, as mm -hmm. being um, one regulating tool that we can use there you gave a whole long very wonderful list i um i find that reading is one of my um yep. and actually for my children too it's a major regulating uh tool for us and i don't mean depressing news <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i like fix
fiction. I like youth fiction. <laughs> I've been reading a series of sort of like low stimulation um, kind of Agatha Christie type uh, mystery novels. So when is it going too far? Like when is it helpful? Mm-hmm. And when is my like rocking on the couch for three hours just too much or am I like I'm not going to deal with anyone and I'm not going to deal with anything I'm just going to bed and reading like when does it become pathological yeah that's a really good question um I think part of where it becomes pathological is where I was talking about how about this ability to be with the experience so for example we, many of us, myself included, um, might be familiar with, you know, binge watching a show on Netflix, right? And it's not to make the TV, like watching shows or watching TV a bad thing. Um, however, if we, if we go to that place and we are like completely checked out, then that's, that's where we would probably have entered in a bit more of a, this is no longer being helpful. This is maybe probably a bit more harmful. So it's not to say don't go watch Netflix. I think having some time to just kind of, you know, chill out with a movie right now is great. But, you know, after you've watched maybe one or two episodes of something, take a little break, take a little pause, get up, do some movement, take a few breaths As you're watching it, you know, notice how you're feeling as you're watching this show. Is this show making me feel like really stressed out and scared? And sometimes that's like sometimes if we can kind of be with that and we know, okay, yeah, I'm feeling kind of activated and I'm feeling a little bit afraid and 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 I know that I'm safe. I know I'm in my room. I know I'm in my house. Maybe I have a buddy with me. there's an awareness. I'm with myself. I'm aware of my surroundings. And I I still have the capacity to kind of check in with what's happening. As opposed to you, you know, you put on a show and you're kind of like gone for six hours. That's a little bit different. That's, that's getting more into that dissociative place. And you're, I wouldn't say for me when I've had that, when I've been in more of that dissociated place, um, that's a bit that's more of a sign that I'm in a dysregulated state with it even though the activity itself could be regulating I am I'm in a more dysregulated state with it so the main thing that I would that I would encourage is you know with the reading if you feel like because reading is on that list I didn't mention it but it's definitely um, a regulation tool Um, just checking in with yourself as you're reading, like, okay, how am I feeling? Like, oh yeah, actually my eyes are getting kind of tired and I'm hungry and, um, uh, you know, um, I think I need to close my eyes and have a break. Like just taking little pauses to, to check in with yourself. And then if you're noticing that you, uh, that that's harder, that's where you've probably crossed over into more of what you were saying, that pathological space. And I I feel like this is such an interesting time. And I mm-hmm. catch myself right now during this pandemic, especially having a lot of daily questions with myself. And, I, and it feels really different, of course, than almost anything else I've experienced, but also not that dissimilar to really 
um, I would almost call them, but I, I feel like I'm I'm throwing around new terminology, so I may mm-hmm. be getting this really wrong, folks. But almost like these dysregulated times, you know. So, for instance, after I had my first child, mm-hmm. it's so intense. There's mm-hmm. so much going on hormonally, and so much massive brain redevelopment. It's a huge brain and neurological reprogramming time, and I often needed to base like I felt like I had to escape mm-hmm. for kind of hours a day and like rocking my child or sleeping more or reading more and it was like I was using like I was dissociating basically or I was like using this like regulating tools to an extreme and I found that um, and seen in a lot of others right now that we seem to be needing more or we're just like we're massively disassociating as a group (laughs) and so like what like at what point do do we worry about ourselves our Mm -hmm. children our community each other and and how much do we also just sort of be like hey you know we just we have to cope right yeah it's super confusing I just want to you know normalize it for you and for everyone out there this is a totally well, it's just this, it's this completely unprecedented experience um, that most of us have, have not, we haven't encountered anything like this in our lived time. So just to normalize for everyone out there, all of what you were just ex- describing, you know, increased dissociation, um, not as I was mentioning at the beginning of this talk, lack of capacity for learning and taking in new information, um, being tired lethargy um uh noticing or maybe not noticing that you're checking out more um anxiety all of this is totally normal and to be expected in the current situation that we're in because what what it is essentially is we're in a um an ongoing challenge we're in an ongoing threat response there's this external threat out there um, you know, the virus is one thing, um, and there's fear around, you know, getting sick. There's all of that, but then there's also a lot of unknowns around how long this is going to go on for. What are what's going to happen on the other side of this? I'm using quotation marks right now. Other side, because we, you know, I've heard a number of times. <clears throat> what is the new normal going to look like on the other side of this? So we're in this complete unknown and the unknown is very threatening and scary for the brain. And what we do is we project different scenarios out into that unknown and then we, we work on them, even though it's not really what's happening. Um, it's, it's our brain is a, an association making machine. We have all kinds of associations from all of our past lived experiences. And so we take all of that, all of those associations when we're in a, an unknown and we throw all those associations out into the future so that we have something to work with. Like, oh, well, what if this happened? That happened before. Maybe it'll be this. So there, so then it kind of is an, is a way of feeling like we're kind of doing something about it even though we ultimately don't know what's going to happen. So we're in an ongoing threat response. So that is taxing to our nervous system. Even if we're not, even if we're just at home, we, we have, we are safe in our homes right now for the most part. I say that. And then, you know, a whole bunch of reasons why we may not feel safe in our home come flooding into my awareness. So I just want to name that too. Um, 
we're, we're in this ongoing challenge and this ongoing threat. And so we are going to have all of that working on our system all the time, even if we're not like in a visual way, um, you know, dealing with a sick person or dealing with, um, a financial challenge. It's, there's all of this stuff happening in, in the, in the wider sphere that we are working on. Um, and for me, it brings up this question of like when we were living more in hunter gatherer pods, um, we would have been we would have been sleeping really close to each other. We were we're wired for connection. Our brains are wired for connection, and we don't develop healthy brains and healthy um, nervous systems essentially um, when we don't have healthy connection. And when we were living like that, there's this kind of like group awareness that would have been happening. Like if we were all sleeping, for example, close and huddled, if there was a threat, somebody would sense it or a few somebodies would sense it and then they would get peaked and we would feel all of that. Our nervous systems talk to each other. Um, my nervous system is talking to your nervous system right now. So if I'm a bit more regulated and you're a bit more dysregulated, we have the capacity to lend and borrow each other's nervous system states. So if I'm a bit more dysregulated and you're a bit more regulated, I, you, you can help me regulate because you're in that experience right now. And there's all kinds of stuff going on that we can't see that's happening. We're communicating in that way. So I think another reason why we're kind of taxed is because all of our nervous systems are are talking. And so even though I might be having an experience of um, feeling generally safe and generally okay, there's a whole bunch of people in the sort of vicinity and nearby that are not feeling that way. And and we pick up on all of that. We're, we're wired to pick up on all of that because when we were, again, the way that our physiology and our, our stress responses were, were developed, they, it was developed to keep us kind of all safe in a group. And so that's, that's part of it, I think, is, is that we're all kind of talking to each other invisibly and picking up on so much invisibly. And it's really taxing. So can we, um, I, I think about this particularly, or originally I was going to ask particularly for my own children or in my own household, but now actually as you're speaking, I wonder how much we can help heal in a small community or help each other, help our neighbors, help ourselves, help our children, help our spouses um, regulate by 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 pulling ourselves together a mm-hmm. little bit more. Mm-hmm. And 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 does that then come at a cost to the person? You know, like uh, you know you know mm-hmm. I like I I've often said a sort of really fine most of the time mm-hmm. with what's going on. I'm generally a pretty upbeat person. I've kind of got a can-do attitude. I'm not very worried about my own health. So, you know, I've got all these things going for me. And nevertheless, by you, you know, pretty much halfway to three quarters of the way through the day, I'm I'm tapped. I'm I'm 
exhausted. I'm snapping. I'm, I'm, I can't like, I don't, I can't think of anything positive anymore to say anyone. And so, so I guess it's a twofold question. One, can we help the larger community just by simply taking kind of better care of ourselves? And two, then like it, how do we continue to take better care of ourselves? Is mm-hmm. it just practicing these tools over and over? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think authenticity is, one, very challenging and also really liberating and helpful. So what I was talking about around, like, naming your experience, um, that that in and of itself is going to be really helpful. Recognizing that right now we have a lower capacity, we're in a kind of chronically taxed state, and we're just we're we're not going to be operating the way that we are used to, and and to to give to be really compassionate with ourselves about that, um, and to be honest with the people around us about that, and to give ourselves and the and the people around us permission to acknowledge we're in this very weird, challenging, ongoing, threatening time. We don't really know what to do about it. It's really confusing. That's what's real. So just to acknowledge it and give each other a lot of compassion and and kind of a wide berth for showing up, you know, not the way that we would normally be showing up. Um, So... So that's something I've had to remind myself over and over and over again. I think it's really hard for us to um, to recognize that we're not actually going to be able to function the way that we were functioning a few months ago right now. We're just not. And that's really, really hard. It's very hard for me. It's it's and I again, I'm reminding myself this on a daily basis, even though I, I know I, you know, I'm I'm working with this stuff often. I have still had to remind myself daily, you know, ah, why am I feeling so X, Y, Z? Well, because of what's going on. This is not a small thing. And in terms of how we can help each other, I think that you know, what I was saying about naming and compassion and giving all of everyone a wide berth, all of that is really helpful. Um, I think also, you know, recognizing that the more that you're helping yourself, the more you are helping others because you can't actually really show up for anyone else if you are not able to show up for yourself and not, um, you know, if you're in a if you're having a really challenging time, then, you know, that's your first priority is coming right to, to here, to yourself. And what can you do? Um, and then if you are having a moment of feeling like, yeah, I'm actually pretty good right now. I feel pretty good. And you're noticing, hey, someone else is maybe struggling. Then you can do, you can, you can kind of do what I was mentioning. You can lend your nervous system, so to speak. You can, you know, go w- and if you're, um, in the vicinity of them, you know, we're doing social distancing, etc. But you can say, hey, you know, I'm here with you. And how about we just take a few deep breaths together and, you know, um, you know, checking in with people, giving them a phone call or, hey, you want to have a little virtual dance party over Zoom or something like that. But just um, just acknowledging and and doing these really simple tools 
with each other in a in a way that's safe for everybody at this time and and I think really small things are effective I went to the co-op the other day and um I think it was Josh was playing just the best happiest upbeat music and it was literally the highlight of my day I'm not gonna lie I had been home working and struggling with computer this and that and frustrated with my lack of capacity to get stuff done and I went for a walk and went to the co-op and just that upbeat music getting me kind of wanting to move in my body was wonderful. That's a that's a good segue to having um, a, a dance moment um, and I'd like also to, um, so one of the things you were talking about this at the beginning that I have noticed in myself is being a little bit shorter Mm -hmm. in my compassion levels. And I, it works for me slightly different where I get really upset when I see other people judging how, like how people are managing through this time. Mm-hmm. And then I get judgmental in my upsetness. And so I'm trying, someone was like, well, this is a great time to practice radical kind of forgiveness and compassion. Um, could you maybe put that in neurological terms <laughs> for us or make it seem a little bit more practical? But I want to get there where I am really, because I feel like that is hugely healing. I have experienced that in my life. I try to offer that to people. This idea that we are together mm-hmm. to share and not to not to judge, not to put someone else down for how they're managing to get through, but to really provide them that that space, that will, that that forgiveness and acceptance for where they are, who they are. Mm-hmm. So would you would you make that sound um, like it makes sense in neurological terms? Uh, well, I can try. Uh, the first thing that comes up for me with that is that people are truthfully doing the very best that they can all the time and I know that you know we hear that and we might think well but so and so did this and so and so did that and and so it is a challenging one but the truth is is that people really truly are doing the very very best that they can with their current circumstances and with their current level of capacity and with what they know and what they've learned. So even if we might be viewing someone and thinking, oh, they could be doing this or they should be doing that, the truth is, is they might, there's so many unknowns. There's so much information that you may have that they don't. They have a whole other set of lived experiences. They have a whole other set of, you know, potentially traumas or um, life experiences, basically. So the more that we can work on this understanding that people truly are doing the very best that they can, um, I think the better off we are. Uh, And and again, no one is perfect with this. I don't think it's reasonable to expect that we can do this 100% of the time. There's also a lot of learning um, that happens, you know, when we're, when we are noticing the behavior of another person and we're finding it really hard. 
Another thing that we can do that's sometimes a little bit hard is to say, okay, well, when do I do that? You know, when do I display that behavior or when do I act that way? And just bringing it back to this this kind of reality or better put our humanity, you know, and the more that we can connect with how we like the places in our lives where we show up like that, the more we find those common bonds and those common threads of connection. And then when you really feel that within yourself, oh, yeah. I know when I do that, it's really hard (laughs) to be angry and judgmental with the other person. So that's, that's what I would say about that. Thank you. That was wonderful. What a fantastic, uh, informative session. I cannot thank you enough, Haley. Also, I thank all of you listeners for being here on Cortez Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM on the web at cortezradio.ca. And the phone has been ringing off the hook, and it also is really a very weird phone that I cannot answer half the time. So we are going to take your questions, and also I hope you'll email them in at you, the letter U, at folkyou.ca. And, we, and we're going to have Haley back. Come on. She's amazing. And we'll have really full program notes on CortezRadio.ca and CortezCurrents.ca. So this is not, not the ending. Thank you so much, Haley, for being here. I'm Manda O'Fox Gillespie, and this is Folk You Friday Talk Radio. We now have on the line... You know, once again, knock on wood, um, Jen Wilson to introduce our last dance break. Tell us what we're about to listen to. Hello. Well, um, as far as it goes in terms of what we can do to uh, try to not get riled up when we see other people doing things or we imagine we're seeing other people do stuff that makes us angry and then we get mad and they're mad and all, all that kind of stuff that circles around. I think one of the deepest things for me is to remember that emotions are human, that everybody has emotions, and that these kinds of things that Haley has been talking about um, can translate through all of us, that this is a human, a humanity, a, hum- a human behavior, a human thing, a human reaction. And so you're going to see everything. It's like I might think something's really funny, and you might sit there with a complete deadpan face and not think it's funny at all. And that's the way our bodies are, and that's how we are. Our diversity of emotional experience is exactly what creates the beauty of the world, whether it's the deep death, sadness, or it's the joy and pure love, happiness, or and so on. So this last song is by one of my personal favorite Canadians, uh, Ron Sexsmith. And Ron Sexsmith is known mostly for being a, a lyricist, but there are those of us that know that he also has recorded his own songs, too. And he's also a person who has uh, struggled with emotional dysregulation and um, dealt with that in his life and has an ongoing relationship with depression. And this song is called Love Shines. And I want to read a little bit about it. There's a quote here, or a section of his lyrics, I should say. And he says, In every nowhere town there are somewhere dreams gracefully reaching out to pull love's strings. And I've seen what love can do. 
I understand. It's like a candle glowing in the wine. It fills a heart with silver stars. That's where my love shines. When light appears in happy tears, that's where my love shines. So with that, I present to you Ron Sexsmith's Love Shines.
That was beautiful. Hello. This is Manda O. Fox Gillespie on Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have another one of our neighbors here to talk to us about what's going on in her garden this week. Billy Taylor is maybe my personal um, hero when it comes to garden work because I've worked um, more closely with her than any other person in my own gardening experience, which is really <laughs> limited and slightly deplorable. Uh-huh. Uh, Billy, thank you. Tell me, what is going on this week in your garden? What is going on this week in my garden? Um, well, I share a garden, uh, like a lot of people on Cortez, and we've got a huge greenhouse and are just trying to amp up everything really fast. But um, one thing I was thinking about talking today that I think is pretty relevant right now is that uh, there's no water coming in anywhere. And so we're all trying, like at our um, uh, homestead, we're all trying to figure out ways um, that we can keep the water that we have in case it's a really, really dry summer because this is an unusually dry spring. And uh, there's a whole bunch of different ways that we've been trying to brainstorm doing things like one of the first ones is trying to think about crops that we can grow that don't rely on a lot of water. Um, But, you know, we all like eating things that are juicy and amazing. So um, one thing that I've been researching a lot on is a, uh, it's this clay pot that you can bury in the ground. Um, I think it's called, uh, it's spelled Ola, but I'm pretty sure that it's pronounced Oya. And it's one of those clay pots, un, like an unglazed um, terracotta type pot that you bury in the ground. And it's just got a tapered um, top to it that comes out. And then you put the water in there. And instead of the water releasing itself into the soil, the roots actually go to it and suck out the water. So it would really work in more of like the three sisters type gardening where you've got like the corn and the squash and the any type of climbing pole bean or pea or anything like that. But um, it's because it's a circle. So you need things around it that are going to be attracted to it like that. It wouldn't work in just mainly like monoculture row gardening. Um, But it's something really interesting. So I've been going and gathering clay from the creek bed. Um, behind uh, our house and processing it and I'm going to try and make one Um, yeah I've got some mussel shells that I've been burning and grinding down to use as temper in that because I looked online and they cost like $150 and they can't be shipped right now anyway because of COVID so um, unless somebody on the island that's listening like maybe Sue John or something wants to you know make us some Oyas, Olas uh, I'm going to try and make one myself. So, cause if it works, then really you don't, the amount of water is so minimal that you use. Um, it's just providing enough for things to grow because so much water is lost in watering. Irrigation is, uses so much water. And if you're hand watering, so much goes onto the paths and un, unneeded water loss. So really trying to hone that in right now and I just started trying to grow yams so that's that will be a fun experiment 
what's involved? Did did you direct seed them? You're sprouting them? To, you you got to get more detailed with me. I, I got a yam from the co-op, and now I'm sprouting it. Got it in water, like doing like an avoc- like how you do with an avocado pit, um, the seed to try and grow an avocado tree. This one, it, it roots itself in the water and grows sprouts, and then you take off the sprouts with the roots and then plant those as an individual plant. Do you put the whole yam into the water? Uh, I've heard different schools of thought, so I'm trying it a couple different ways. I'm putting the whole yam halfway into water, or I've got half a yam that I cut in half, and then put half of that into water. And so it'll, but I have it in the greenhouse. It needs really hot conditions. So, um, cause they, yeah, they don't grow like potatoes. It's a completely different kind of plant. Um, and the tubers need really, really hot climates to grow. So I'll let you know in a couple of weeks. And if you want some, you can eat them cause of they're not nightshades. Uh, Billy's referring to, I'm one of those annoying people who <laughs> can't eat nightshades, especially potatoes. So everyone else is growing their potatoes to last them through the, <laughs> the apocalypse. And I am not, um, what else are you growing or would you recommend for people who are particularly worried about water in their gardens? Um, well, a lot of plants need a lot of water to start with, but they don't need as much water once they're established so if you're doing anything from seed or yeah direct transplanting they need quite a bit of water to begin with but uh most root crops don't need a lot of water um they grow their foliage and then just kind of sit there in the dirt like beets and carrots don't need that much water once they're established um but most you know most things that are growing above ground need quite a bit of water though so it's uh uh too if you've if you've got grains growing they don't need a lot of water after a while because like rye i planted rye for the chickens in a in a little miniature greenhouse and i watered them until they sprouted and now i haven't watered them in two weeks and they're still growing um through this drought right now so um yeah, do your research and try things out. Like I've just been trying a whole bunch of things out. I'm trying to grow buckwheat and oats and like just everything. And and some things are taking and some things aren't. But, you know, that's how it goes. <laughs> that's the that's the attitude that we're all trying to cultivate we're just experimenting um i really love it i did see that it is supposed to rain i think sunday monday tuesday maybe are there things that if people are kind of running behind or haven't like done as many starts is there something that we could do to make use of the rain that's that's coming about to come like are there certain seeds we could put in the garden now for instance um well if you know it's gonna rain you could put things in you know the night before or so but um or just be really diligent about keeping them moist but if you want to do anything just if you don't have any rain catchment get some rain catchment like it's uh for the amount of water that we're going to need in our gardens like a lot of people are scared of holding water in open containers because of mosquitoes and everything like that but you can drop a rock into a bucket every three days and that will make it so that there's no mosquitoes and also you're going to be using that water way faster than it's going to need to be 
like to grow mosquitoes. Just having any type of bucket to catch around if you don't have any drainage system or anything. Like, that's what I do. I don't have um, a gutter on the back of my tiny house. So the back of my tiny house is lined with buckets until I get a gutter. And then I use those buckets first before I use a hose. And then after that, you know, but just like make use of it because right now, uh, it's I, it doesn't look like it's going to be a very wet season. So just try and get as much as you can. It sure doesn't. Endless fire bands. Okay, well, see, see why I love her? She's got a real can-do attitude. So we can do it too. Um, I am always eager to hear about your gardening stories, your successes and experiences and everything else. This has been another Folk You Friday. I cannot thank you enough, um, Haley, Billy, for being with me in the studio and for all of the neighbors out there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Jen, thank you so much for putting up with all my technical um, inabilities and uh, and calling in to introduce our new dance breaks, which hopefully we can keep going. And a special um, additional thanks I'm putting out there to Sean, who is the mysterious, quiet, behind the radio person who came and fixed our second mic. And that's why you can actually hear my guest today. So it's been a a wonderful run. I hope you'll join me next week. We have Michael Moore um, coming to talk to us about the marine environment around Cortez and surrounding uh, islands. So don't miss that. We've got a full schedule, wonderful and exciting things coming up. And I hope you'll join us every Friday for Folk You Talk Radio from 1 to 3 on Cortez Radio, Cortez Community Radio, CortezRadio.ca, CKTZ 89.5 FM. And we're going to go out today listening to the Awakeneers, formerly known as the Mary McKinties. And this is the song that uh, they just made and let me play two weeks ago. And I thought it was perfect for right now. I hope you enjoy it as well. It's a good thing, it's a good thing to have friends who make your heart sing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have friends who make your heart sing. Who lift you up by the scruff, not afraid to call your bluff. Who've got your back, who've got your front, who've got your number. Who've got the ticket, hit the wicket, knock the ball right out of the park. Who are actually always on your side, your real. It's a good thing, it's a good thing to have friends who make your heart sing. It's a good thing, it's a good thing to have friends who make your heart sing. They can't get you, they can't lecture, be like a living mirror, showing reflections of things in you that you really See
laugh instead of cry, not get out in a 